Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Saturday, February the 10th. And welcome to our commentary. I've got a couple of things I want to say about the Super Bowl. Not just this year's Super Bowl, but a few memories that I have of the Super Bowl. I am wearing my Cowboys jersey. Of course, the Cowboys are not playing, but uh, I wanted to wear the jersey, not the jersey, but this jacket that I've had over the years. Besides, it is raining here in North Texas, so this is the perfect attire for a rainy day. But uh, we'll get into the Super Bowl and some of my memories, and my memories go back to the first one. So I've got a, I've got a lot of memories to tell you to tell you over the years. But I got to begin with the big story in the country today, and that, that is, of course, the situation with President Biden and the special counsel report. I have a post over at the American Thinker Saturday morning. You can check it out over at theamericanthinker.com. And it goes into this uh, rather amazing report and the conclusion of the report regarding President uh, Biden's memory. Now, the White House is, is going bananas over this. Uh, you know, they, they're literally attacking the special counsel. Uh, you know, the next thing they're going to do is they're going to tell us that the special counsel is a somehow a member of MAGA or something like that, because they're really attacking him. And they're also going after the attorney general, wondering how in the world did the attorney general allow that report to go out there and and to you know to attack the president uh, the way it has. Look, I understand. I understand they were probably not expecting. Uh, at least the White House was probably not expecting uh, what the what the report said. But he said it. And what basically what this report this report is damaging to the president for a couple of reasons. First of all, it clearly shows that uh, then Vice President Biden then Senator Biden had no business and no authority holding on to these documents. These documents, whatever their intent was, should not have been in the office of the former vice president, certainly not in his house, And but that's where they were. And here's the other irony of all of this. The only reason that we found out about uh, Mr. Biden's documents is because we started investigating President Trump. Had they never broken into President Trump's home, the FBI, you know, the, when the FBI went in back in August of 2022, had they never done that, we would have never heard about uh, Mr. Biden's documents, or at least it would have never been the public uh, situation that uh, it became. Obviously, somebody from within the government told somebody that these documents existed, and that's where this scandal began. But the, the special counsel basically said, yes, there was willful retention of these documents. These documents were not supposed to be where they found them. And yes, the, you know, the, 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 the Biden administration or, or they, Mr. Biden returned the documents when they were requested. Yes, that's true. The same with, uh, with Mr. Trump. But the reality is they were not supposed to be there. That's illegal to begin with. But the real killer of the, of the report is that uh, the, the special counsel basically said that they couldn't put Mr. Biden in front of a jury because the jury would, would not convict them, I guess, because they wouldn't be able to, you know, Mr. Biden's memory is failing. He couldn't remember this and he couldn't remember that. And I guess they made him into some kind of a victim of his uh, memory lapses or whatever. And that, of course, is what has the, the White House very angry and why the president came out 
Thursday night with that idiotic press conference that blew up in his face because all he did in that press conference is that he confirmed what uh, what the special counsel said, that this is a, a man who's got problems. He's got some issues. And uh, what happens next? I don't know. There's already talk about, you know, about replacing uh, Biden. I don't think they're going to use uh, the 25th Amendment because I don't think this situation has deteriorated to the point where the 25th Amendment would be warranted. I mean, after all, he's not disabled or in, incapacitated, which is what the, the 25th Amendment was more about. There are, only, there are really only two options here at this stage of the game, and that is for Mr. Biden to resign and simply say, yes, uh, I'm really not up to the job, and it's really not possible for me to do this. I don't work at all. That's why I spend so much time on vacation. That's why I honestly do very little. If you look at his schedule, this is a man who does very, very little. I mean, this is obviously a man who is being protected from having to work uh, very hard. So that's one possibility is that he would resign. The other is that he would announce, and I think this is more likely, that he would announce that he's not running for re-election like uh, President Johnson did back in 1968 for different reasons, of course, and simply say, look, I'm not going to run for re-election. I'm just going to serve my term and uh, you know, I free up my delegates or I'll let my my party uh, nominate whoever they want. And then that would create a, a rather interesting uh, situation because with so little time, the convention would probably nominate the candidate. Who would that be? There's all kinds of speculation that it could be Michelle Obama. I don't know about that. Uh, I'm not, you know, I think a lot of people are overrating her as a candidate. She clearly has a connection with a lot of the Obama base but, you know, given some of the statistics that we're seeing about the drop in support for uh, the Democrat Party in the African-American community, I don't think that putting back the Obama coalition is as simple as these people think it is. It's a totally different time from when Obama put it together back in 2008. That was a, you know, a one-time deal. That was the first time that an African-American had run for president. Uh, so I think that was a totally... Uh, different situation back then. They were also running a uh, against a, a Republican, John McCain, who frankly did not run a very good campaign. I voted for John McCain, and I was disappointed with the kind of campaign that, that he ran. That was also the year where you had that banking crisis in October of 2008 that did a lot of harm to, uh, to, to, to the Republicans who were at the time uh, the party in the White House. So I, I think people who think that Michelle Obama is just going to walk into the into this election, uh, maybe overstating her uh, her potential uh, as a campaigner. Now, the governor of California, they're talking about him. His problem is that he's got to defend California. And I don't know how any person can defend what is going on in California. There's talk about the governor of Michigan. Uh, you know, uh, she's an attractive candidate. How much of an appeal uh, she would have, I don't know. But the reality is the Democrats don't have much of a much of a much of a bench right now of potential presidential candidates. And I don't think any of them, honestly, would be able to create a lot of excitement. Again, a lot because of what's happening in the country with the economy and everything else, with the situation on the border, the number one issue in the country. So I don't know who they would nominate, but I think they they are overestimating Michelle Obama. She would she would you know create some excitement. But I don't believe the, the Obama coalition of 2008 is what she's going to be able to put together 
2024. But you know, what do I know? We'll see what uh, we'll see what happens. But the other thing happening in in the White House right now is that it it looks like President Biden, from if you believe what you're hearing, is very angry at the Attorney General. They 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 think that he should have gotten to Trump a lot sooner. The problem is that the cases against Trump are not maybe not developing the way that they thought they were going to develop. Plus, the the more they go after Trump, the stronger Trump gets, which is another, excuse me, another another interesting uh, situation. The document case against Trump is pretty much done after what uh, we just saw with the special counsel not uh, you know not indicting uh, Joe Biden and what we saw a few years ago and not indicting Hillary Clinton. Uh, I don't see how in the world they could indict uh, Donald Trump. I mean, it's just going to be very difficult for them to have a double standard of justice. So I think that deal is done. The two cases in New York are frankly uh, trashy and they're just politically motivated. The case in Georgia is falling apart. So, you know, where does this go? You've got the January 6th case. Uh, That one is in the courts right now regarding immunity. The bottom line is that you know, I'm not sure that uh, the attorney general could do any better than what he's doing. But uh, anyway, this is really uh, an amazing situation, what's happening with President Biden. And again, as I said before, I, I don't think he's going to resign. I don't think the 25th Amendment is going to come into play here. But I do think he will he will announce that he's not running for reelection. He's not seeking reelection, in which case uh, that would open up the Democrat field, and God only knows what happens after that. Again, they're not a very united party, despite what what sometimes you think. They're not as united as uh, as people think uh, they are, and there's not a logical choice. I mean, Kamala Harris would be Vice President Kamala Harris would be the logical choice to succeed uh, President Biden, just like Hubert Humphrey, Vice President Hubert Humphrey, uh, became the candidate back in 1968. But uh, Kamala Harris is not Hubert Humphrey. I'll just uh, leave you with that. Now, the Super Bowl, of course, is on Sunday, and I don't necessarily have a favorite. I just want to watch uh, a good game. But I have a post uh, coming out Sunday about the Super Bowl. You know, I've watched each and every one of the Super Bowls. I guess that tells you how old I am. And, you know, they were some have been pretty exciting. Other have not. There was a time there from the mid-'80s to the mid-'90s when the Super Bowl was actually pretty boring. They were pretty much blowouts uh, just about every year. It got a little bit more exciting. Uh, it got uh, a little bit more exciting uh, than, uh, than you know, it was at that time. And here recently, there have been some good games. But, uh, you know, it, it's become sort of a national holiday kind of thing. So all I can tell you is that uh, I'll be watching it like everybody else. It's usually a good time to get together with your friends and family. I'll be watching it like everybody else. I don't really have a favorite, but I do think San Francisco is going to win. But I got to tell you about a couple of my favorite Super Bowls over the year. I'll give you my two favorites and the one that uh, broke my heart at the same time. My two favorites were the very first one, and that was Kansas City and Green Bay. And I was a huge Green Bay Packer fan back then. I was living in Wisconsin uh, back then when I was in high school. And that was a that was just a great game. It was a, it was a blowout. The the Packers won the game easily, but that was a, a big game for us because we were Packer fans. Uh, the next uh, big game for me was in 1969 or Super Bowl three, and that was when uh, the Jets beat the Colts. That was one of the greatest that's in the history of sports. Everybody thought the Colts would kill the Jets, 
and it turned out to be the opposite. I mean, they, the Jets didn't kill. Uh, it was not a blow-up. It was a 16-7 final score. But uh, the the bottom line is that uh, the Jets were not supposed to win. That was Joe Namath who predicted a victory in, on Super Bowl Sunday. And he really, I mean, that was the game that that forced uh, the National Football League to respect the American Football League. Because up to that point, there wasn't really a lot of, a lot of respect for the American Football League. And because of that game, they uh, had the merge. And then, you know, we've called them, since that, we have called them the, you know, the American Conference, the National Conference, and we call it the Super Bowl. I think the, the name Super Bowl, I think, came about in the fourth or fifth Super Bowl. I don't remember when it happened, but it was not called a Super Bowl when the Jets beat the, the Colts, nor when the Packers beat Kansas City in the very first one. My biggest heartbreaker, though, was in 1979 because I was cheering for the Cowboys that year. And that was the year that the Steelers beat the, the, the Cowboys. And that was perhaps the greatest Super Bowl game ever, in my opinion. A game, a game that came down to the last few minutes. And the Cowboys uh, lost that game. It was a real heartbreaker. But it was the last game of the 1970s, the last postseason game of the, la- of the 1970s. And it, it, uh, it matched the two best teams of the 1970s, the Cowboys and the Steelers. And had that game turned out different, you know, the Cowboys maybe would have gone down as the team of the 70s. But as it turned out, the Steelers were the team of the 70s because they won four Super Bowls in the 70s. And the Cowboys only won two, but they played in five. So anyway, those were the two great teams, two great coaches, uh, Coach Landry, Coach Noel, and of course, the two great quarterbacks, uh, Roger Staubach, uh, you know, uh, Oh, my gosh, Bradshaw, Bradshaw of, of the Steelers. I For a minute there, I blanked out. But Terry Bradshaw of the Steelers. So those were just great personalities back then on that field. Franco Harris, uh, you know, lots of great personalities. Tony Dorsett, just a lot of great personalities that were on that field. A lot of Hall of Famers that came out of that game as well. But that's the one game that broke my heart the most because I was really into the game and I was rooting for the for the for the Cowboys. Well, I hope your team wins. I hope you have a wonderful day on Sunday and we'll get back together to all the other stuff uh, on the next video, but I hope your, your team wins again. I think San Francisco is going to win, but that's just because I feel that way. I don't have any, any, uh, as they say, statistical evidence to make my point. I I just think that San Francisco is going to win. There's something about that team that uh, they always seem to do well when they play big games, but I'm sure the Kansas city fans can say the same thing about Kansas city, but I'll, I'll, uh, I'll predict that San Francisco wins and, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas city wins and I just hope we have a good game. That's all I can, I can tell you. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye everybody.